0: Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Good morning. Trust you having a great day. And thanks, um, Dean and Ashley, for just leading us in worship in the presence of God. And I want to share on something so um, dear, to, dear to all of our hearts. It's a message um, that changed my life 34 years ago. And this message, the reason why I changed my life 34 years ago is because it brought me into a relationship with God, my Father. And um, I didn't know God. I grew up um, without knowing God. I thought I knew about God. I uh, grew up in a Catholic home, never went to church unless it was Christmas and Easter or a funeral. And um, sometimes very, very rarely I went to a confession to try to you know, get rid of my sins. So I, I had a I was conscious of God. I feared God to some degree, but I wasn't living for Him. I was living for myself, full of selfishness, full of sin. And I know that I was separated from God. I didn't, how to, I didn't know how to get to God. And I want to speak on this, on this gospel. The word gospel is, um, it means good news. Just never, let us never forget that the gospel means good news. i want to talk about the glorious gospel because this gospel is filled with the glory of God. And if you don't know what the glory of God is, the glory is God's very presence, God's very essence. It actually is a Hebrew word that speaks of the weightiness of God. God's presence in this good news because the good news brought us back to God. Just remember, when we share the gospel to someone that doesn't know about the Father, doesn't know about God, and and doesn't have their own relationship with God, it should sound like good news. So today, I hope and trust that you're going to hear only good news. If you believe this, it, you'll become glad. Some people reject it and they become mad because they, they reject what God has done for them. But for us to understand the power of the gospel, Paul the Apostle says he preaches the gospel and the, and, and the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Salvation speaks of deliverance and freedom and healing. So no matter what you're going through, Whatever you're facing right now, if you're facing depression, if you're facing anxiety, if you're full of fear, if it's paranoia, if it's sickness, if it's grief, if it's sadness, whatever it is, salvation means setting you free from that area setting you free from shame. Some people are full of shame and condemnation about the sins that they've done or committed and think, I'm too far from God. I'm too, I've, I've gone too far. God would never accept me. You feel so unworthy that you think God would never accept me. You don't know how bad I am, Leo. You don't know the things that I've done. And, and, and you're full of shame. Well, I'm telling you, this gospel, this good news, is filled with the power to set you free from that. That's what salvation means. It means to be set free from that shame, from that condemnation. But for us to understand the power of this gospel, it's jam-packed with the power of God. For us to understand it, because it, it's good news, for us to understand the good news, we must understand the bad news. There is bad news. There is... See, so the reason why good news is good news, it's because it's in the context of bad news. Why would good news be good news if there's no such thing as bad news? So we, we've got to understand the power of, of the good news, to understand that you have to understand what has happened and why is there bad news? What is the bad news? Well, let's go. Let's go back to the reality of why God created us. Let's see in Genesis chapter one that God created us for love and for fellowship and friendship relationship. God made sons and daughters. He made human beings. He made mankind so that he could be uh, in love, have a love relationship with them. An intimate love relationship with His creation that He calls um, mankind. And we we are sons and daughters of God. That's the purpose of why He created us. If you never knew why you were created and why you were put on this planet, it was for a relationship with God to actually get to know God and to be intimately in love with the Father who loves you dearly. And so when we read, in other words, we've got to understand what we lost if you and I don't know what we lost, we'll never know what we gained. In Jesus. When, I, when we talk about what Jesus did for us on the cross 2000 years ago, we don't know why he even went there. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And and what did he restore? So if you know what you lost, if you if we and if you and I understand what we lost, then we'll know what we gained in Christ. And so in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make man. This is God saying, let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness. Now, I don't know about you, but do you believe that? We have to believe that God made us in his image and in his likeness. And it talks about that. Let them, mankind, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the sky, uh, over the the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, He created them. So male and female make up the image of God. God created us in His image. Think about that. What is that? If I look in the mirror, I see an an image of myself. It's my likeness. It looks like me. So God made us in His image. Think about the the nature of God. is faith, not fear. God made us to live in faith, not fear. And the nature of God is love, not selfishness. God made us to live in love, not selfishness. God, God made us to live in joy not depression. So God didn't create depression. God doesn't want you to live in depression or fear or anxiety or stress. All these things are the result of our separation from God. And so in in Psalms 8 verse 5, it says that God clothed. That word clothed speaks of God has surrounded us and clothed us and crowned us with glory and majesty. Glory again speaks of the very presence and essence and weightiness of God. God has crowned man with with glory. So before the fall, before the separation, Adam was clothed. Adam and Eve were clothed with the glory of God. And, And I could imagine the glory was full of splendor and holiness and purity and majesty. And he was glowing with the glory of God. Like he would shine bright. We see Jesus doing that on the mountain of transfiguration. He was glowing with the glory. Well, Adam was like that. But God said to Adam and Eve, I've made many, many trees in the garden for you to enjoy. So much freely you can eat from all these trees. There's only one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And don't eat of that tree. Because if you eat of that tree, in the day that you eat of it, you will die. We've got to understand what we lost. If we don't understand what we lost, we don't know what we've gained. So when Adam and Eve, cut the long story short, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they basically said, no, God, I don't trust what you said to us. I trust what I see. And it looks like if I eat of this, I'll be, I'll, I, I, you know, it's the pride of life. It looks like you would give me some satisfaction right now. But I, I disobey your word. You told me not to eat of it because in the day I eat it, I would die. And, and they ate of it. When they ate, they actually spiritually died. They didn't physically die. They didn't physically drop dead. They spiritually were separated from God. That glory presence, that presence of God that was inside of them. You know, the Bible says that when God made Adam, he breathed into him the breath of life. He went into his nostrils, and breath is the same word as spirit, and so the spirit of God lives in man. But in that day, the spirit of God had to leave him, and his spirit spiritually died. And they've looked at each other, and fear came, and they were full of they were full of shame. And when the next time the Lord came to fellowship with them to talk with them in the cool of the garden, the Bible says they hid from God, they ran from God. See ever. Ever since that fall, that separation, mankind has been running away from God. You and I have been running away from God without Christ. We run from God. Why? And, when, and, and God says, where are you? To Adam. He walked in the corner of the garden and said, Adam, where are you? And guess what? God is asking that question for you right now. Where are you? God's not asking that question because He, he doesn't know where you are. He wants you to know where you are. So He asks you in your living room, in your lounge room, in, in your car, wherever you are listening to this message, he's asking you, where are you in relationship to me? Where are you? He wants you to know where you are, where are you are standing with him? And Adam, full of fear, full of shame, and he's hiding because he's f- naked. And he says, Lord, we, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. See, that's what mankind has done. We are afraid of God because we're naked. We're not clothed anymore. We're naked, not clothed to the glory. We lost it. And therefore, I hid. So mankind's running from God because we think God's a cruel God, that God's an angry God, God's upset with us. And so we run in our shame and in our fear and in our nakedness, we run. That's bad news. The bad news is we were severed from God, separated from God, and we spiritually died. Now, God knew... All along, that was going to happen. God is all-knowing. He created us with a free will. He had to give you and I a free will. He gave Adam and Eve a free will. Freedom of choice to think your own thoughts, to think your own actions, and to make your own decisions. And so um, God gave us a free will. He knew all this was going to happen. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundation of the earth. Now, what do you mean was crucified before the foundation of the earth? That God had it in His mind and had it in His plan that He would send a perfect man without any sin to die on the cross for our sins and pay the penalty for our sins. So it wasn't a a second plan. It wasn't like another resort. What should I do? God knew all along before He created the earth that He was going to send His Son. See, why did He send His Son? Because of the dilemma. Because of the problem that's, that's happened. The separation. Now, I don't have to... I hope I don't have to convince you of the sin that's in the world. There is evil in the world. There's there's disasters. There's murders. There's rape. There's innocent people being killed. Innocent people being neglected because of lust for power and lust for money. I mean, you know what I mean? There's, There's so many things. Wars. And there's been so many wars for hundreds and hundreds of years. For thousands of years, people have fought over territory, over money, over religion. And we've killed one another in the name of their own Causes and their selfish ambition and their own uh, issues of pride. This is mankind, and you know we have sinned. We have separated. There is a, a a guiltiness that we have before God. This is the problem. I'm just speaking up the problem because if you don't realize that there's a problem, if you don't realize the bad news is that we're separated from God, and if we die without Jesus in our hearts, if we die. Without the answer, without accepting the answer, we will stand before God in our own strength and our own merit and our own righteousness. And we cannot stand before God. You see, God gave us the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments was to show us the standard that we're supposed to live so that we could know that, you know what, we've fallen short of that standard. Because if we don't know that the what what God's standard is, our consciences, our conscience, would get so deprived, we'd, we'd we'd fall away so far from God, we can never get back. But God says this is the commandments, and basically the commandments are God's standard of living. It says you will have no other gods before me. Now, just the first one we've all missed because we've had other gods before God, our Father. We've made all sorts of things our God. A God is when you fully trust in something to give you satisfaction, happiness, and 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 and, and you might look that you might think money's going to give you satisfaction and happiness that could be your god it could be exercise it could be leisure it could be um, material things you know it could be status it could be uh, you know a position it could be your 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 pride of identity that i've got this particular position that's what that's what that's what you make as a god because you want everyone to look up to you now sin is sin and and, and the, the lord says you will have no other gods before me first you got to have love God, love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. There's a lot of other things that it just, just the Lord said, they shall not lie. And you know what? We've all broken that one. And if you say, no, Ali, I I I've never lied. Well, then you just lied then because everyone's lied. You, know? uh, you will not bear false witness. Do not lie. Should not, should not um, kill. Now, Jesus brought another element of this. He said, if you have hate in your heart and harbor hate in your heart constantly for someone else, then you're no no better than a murderer. He says, if you lust upon a woman that you imagine yourself to commit adultery with her, he says, it is as good as you've done it. God judges you as if you've done it. So if you've hatred in your heart, God judges it as if you're a murderer. See, God's standard is higher than our standard. The the point is, God is a holy, perfect, just, righteous God, but He's also at the same time loving and merciful. And gracious. So people want to lean on the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. well, God's merciful, God's gracious, God's loving, he's, going to, he's just going to forgive everybody. No God cannot just forgive everyone because He's also just and fair and righteous. He has to uphold his justice and he has to uphold his love. Love doesn't mean he just tolerates all sin and all selfishness and all murder. It doesn't tolerate that. Justice, he has to uphold his justice and righteousness and just judgments. And he has to uphold his mercy and love all at the same time. It is similar to, will uh, tell you a story of someone driving um, over the limit. Let's say he goes about 50Ks over the speed limit and he gets busted by the sheriff or the police, pulls him over, gives him a ticket. They, 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 you know, he's done, done this many times, so they threw him in jail. He's got to stand before the judge. And as he stands before the judge, it happens to be the town that he grew up in and his father happens to be the judge. So that, that son who's broken the law by speeding starts thinking to himself, oh, to my dad, uh, oh, for sure he's going to let me off because he loves me. So he'll love me. But then he starts having second thoughts. Hang on a second. But also I know my dad is also a righteous and a fair just judge. He cannot break his own um, word and he can't break his justice. He can't break not being a good judge just because I'm his son. So oh, he doesn't know. He starts to have double, double thoughts. He starts to think, oh my gosh, maybe he might not let me off. I know he loves me, but what about his justice, his righteous? He never gives a wrong decree. He never makes a wrong judgment on the basis of personal preference. So he thinks, oh no, I don't know what's gonna happen. So his father gives him a five thousand dollar fine for, for, for speeding. It was so high because he was over the limit by it so much. And and he doesn't have the money to pay it, so the father can go you know, he he has to go to jail. But the father Gives him decree, gets off the the judgment seat, comes down, writes the check for his own son, pays the fine for him. So he decreed the judgment, but he paid the fine. And that's what we have in Jesus Christ. When God sent his son, Jesus, Jesus came through a virgin birth, meaning he was sinless. He didn't have a physical father. God the Father, God's Holy Spirit, made Virgin Mary pregnant. And so when He was born into this earth, He was holy and pure without sin. The Bible calls Him the second Adam or the last Adam. In other words, there's another man that was perfect on this planet. And Jesus, we know that He obeyed God totally in obedience loved the Father, intimately loved the Father. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He walked on water, took a little boy's lunch and multiplied it and fed 20,000 people. Jesus lived perfect and holy. And then He dies on the cross. So what happens? The justice of God and the love of God meet at the cross. God's justice was fulfilled because His wrath was poured out on Jesus, who was holy on behalf of us. And the love of God was also fulfilled because Jesus, who was God in the flesh, came down and laid down His life because He loved you. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the sinless Son of the living God. And the Father, God, so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. So how does this work? When you understand Jesus was sent for you, He was sent for me. He died on the cross for my sin. He died on the cross for your sin. He paid the penalty for your sin and my sin. He consumed the judgment of God so that God could remain holy and God and also stay in His love and His mercy and His grace. He can uphold His mercy and grace and love and He can uphold His love, His justice and righteousness all at the same time because someone else took the penalty. Like that judge coming down and paid the penalty for somebody else. Someone else. See. Unless you understand this gospel, that's good news that God sends somebody else to pay the penalty for your sin. He's not asking you to pay the penalty. This is the problem where we interpret and we misinterpret what God is saying. There's so many religions that have been formed. I'm talking about hundreds of different religions, even thousands of religions one way or another are formed by man's desire to get to God. We know there's a separation. We know there's, there's, a, there's a big gap between us and God. There's, there's no connection. So we try to climb our little ladder that we build. We try to get to God by our works, by our good works, by our praying, by our religiousness. Do this, do that. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. Pray this way. Pray that way. It's our effort to get to God. It's man's religions is the works and the good works of man to try to get to God. But Christianity, what God has brought to this earth, it was heaven touching earth when God sent His Son and saying, as a gift, I give you salvation. You can't, you can't do anything to deserve it. You can't do anything to earn it. That's the difference between religion. All the religions of the world tell you what you have to do to get to God. It's works orientated. Be good. Don't do that. Don't Pray this way. Say this. Don't say that. Go to church. Go this, Whatever it is, it tells you all the things you have to do to get there. And Christianity, what God did in Christ, He paid the penalty On the cross in your place. That's love. That is the personified love of God that He reached down from heaven, was born through a virgin woman and lived a perfect life without sin, had no sin. Jesus did not have to die for His own sins. Jesus was perfect without sin. He was righteous in every way. He had a pure, righteous, righteous robe of righteousness. Imagine he had a pure robe, pure, not even a spot on it, just white, glistening white, pure white. And he takes that robe off and he puts on our filthy rags of unrighteousness and dirtiness and smelly and mud. And, and he puts that on at the cross because it becomes sin. The Bible says on the cross, Jesus becomes sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So we put on, by faith, we put on His robe of righteousness. Jesus' white robe, we put it on by faith, He takes on ours. There was an exchange that happened at the cross. Jesus was our substitute, sacrifice. He didn't deserve to die on the cross, but He died in our place. And He defeated sin, sickness, disease, everything known to man, everything. Depression, anxiety, worry, fear that, that's been tormenting you. Jesus paid for that on the cross to set you free. See, so it's like the World War II when that happened. And, and when the World War II, after many years of you know, the war, the, the nations fighting, and the war was declared over, in the streets of um, U.S. and Europe, they celebrated, and England and, and Australia, they celebrated because they declared the war is over. But you know, there were some places in the jungles, of certain nations, the prisoners of war, the POWs were in camps. They were chained up, they were locked up because the news didn't get to them. The prisoners, the guards, the, the enemy were still torturing them and still captured them because why? They didn't hear the news, they didn't hear the good news yet. So what happens? The army of the winning side had to come in and enforce the declaration of the good news that the war's over. Or else they stayed its captives. And same is true today. God has declared freedom. God has said, set the captives free. He says this gospel is to proclaim freedom to those that are, cap- that are in captivity. It's to heal the brokenhearted. So if you're brokenhearted right now, this gospel heals you. This good news heals you when you believe it. When you put faith in it. It sets you free when you believe. It's the, it's the year of the Lord's favor. This is what the gospel is. Right now, God has set favor. He's saying you are set free, declared right, because of what Jesus did on the cross. But the onus is on you and I to accept and believe. We have to repent. Repent means to change our mind and to give our lives over to Jesus as our Lord. It's like, I can imagine people in prison. I'm talking about thinking of all the prisons of the world. Think of Long Bay Jail in Sydney or the prison that you, you know, in your state or in your city. And imagine every single, all of a sudden, all the doors swung open, right? All the gates of the prison swung open, all the gates from the front all open, and uh, they're free to go. They're free to go. Now, as a murderer, rapist, uh, serial killer, or just someone that is, is a criminal, evil person, you're, you're a serial killer of some sort, imagine you're in jail, you're in there, You're gonna go, and everything's fl- swung open, you go, this is this a trip? Is it a trick or is it a trap? If I try to walk free, will they shoot me? It takes faith to step out. Now, imagine that you're a prisoner in that jail, all the doors are flung open, but you can't move unless you change your heart. Unless you, what well, I would call, it repent. You, if you try to walk out, you can't because you, the only way you can walk out is if you repent. You stay in your prison if you don't repent. But if you repent and change your heart, that's the, the change of heart is, wow, well. God, out of your mercy and out of your love, you sent Jesus to die on the cross. So when you repent out of love, you, you, you respond to God's love. For God so loved you. I'm telling you, if you're the only person left on the planet to have died for, if there's no one else to have died for, you know, sometimes we think, but Leo, I'm only one person and there's, been, there's billions of people on the planet. There's like close to 8 billion people on the planet right now. And what about 2000 years? There's been millions and millions of people that have lived on the earth since Jesus died on the cross. I feel like I'm just a number. I'm not valuable you think this wrongly. I don't, I'm not that valuable. Um, am I that worth that much? Yes, you are. If you were the only person left on the planet, I believe God would have sent Jesus to die on the cross, that cruel death on the cross, just to set little old you free. Just to set you free from your sin and your shame and your condemnation and your sickness and your disease and your fear and your depression. He came to set you free. Take it personal. So, you won't be able to get out of that prison door. Now, the prison door, if you feel depressed and anxiety and stress and lonely, that prison that's holding you down, I'm telling you, the doors are wide open. You don't know it. You don't know the good news. You didn't know the good news that Jesus died on the cross and God has forgiven you. And God says, He's got His arms wide open. He says, Come into love relationship. Now, once you believe it from your heart, you've got to repent. That's about face. Turn around from going 100 degrees that way. I turn around. I say, Jesus. I repent, I change my heart, I give you my life, I won't live for myself anymore. I believe you died on the cross for me because I'm valuable and I'm special and you want to forgive me of all of my sins. And you give him your heart. And once your heart has been accepted by him, you've repented, I believe you can get up and walk out of that prison. I believe you can walk out and you'll be surprised. There's no one out there, no sniper out there trying to shoot you. No one's going to take you out because you've changed your heart, you can go free. I'm telling you, that's the gospel. The gospel is He declared righteousness to everyone. But the problem is you have to repent and accept it and believe it. It's only when you and I put our trust in Jesus that He died on the cross for our sin. It's only when we do that, that we get set free. If you don't accept Jesus, you know that John chapter 16, this is the words of Jesus. He goes, when I leave, I'll send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. And he says of sin, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. And the sin that he convicts of is they because they did not believe in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is busy convicting people to believe in Jesus. The only sin that will separate you from God and send you to eternity in hell is not believing in Jesus. Because when you believe in Jesus, it transforms you from the inside out. It changes you from the inside out. It's when you put your faith in him. Now, if you reject Jesus, you reject the only answer that God has provided for you. You will have to stand before God on your own. And you cannot do this because we're, we've broken the law of God. Every single person, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, this is what we do. How good do I have to be to get to heaven? We, we think God only accepts good people. So how good is good? I'm telling you how good is good is 100% perfect. That's the only way you're going to get to heaven is to be 100% perfect. But no one is 100% perfect. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has lied once. Everyone has stolen. Everyone has had other gods before God. We're spiritually dead. God knew no one that's spiritually dead could ever keep the Ten Commandments. But God gave the Ten Commandments so that we could have the knowledge of sin and stand guilty before God. Because you need, when you know that you need a Savior, that's when you can call out on one. So that's what I'm trying to say. Once you know you need a Savior, The answer is Jesus. And He can set you free from any sin, no matter what you've done. God forgave me at age of 19. 34 years ago, He forgave me of all of my sins. I'm grateful for it today that none of the sins are held against me. There is not a sin problem anymore because I've accepted Jesus. But if I didn't, or if you don't accept Jesus, you will have to stand before God on your own. And there is a day of judgment. Let me tell you now, this Bible very clearly predicts the end of the world. Very clearly tells us about the last days. Tells us about pestilences will come from all over the place. And it talks about there's going to be even a mark of uh, what they call the Antichrist. A number on your right hand or on your forehead. Without that number, you cannot buy or sell. And it says there will be forced upon people. Small and great, rich and poor, free or in, in jail to receive this mark on their hand. Without that, you cannot buy yourself." Now, you never start thinking, wow, even the, the way it looks like mandatory vaccinations in certain places around the world, it, you start to think, hang on a sec. How did the Bible know this? How did John write that 2,000 years ago about a number in your right hand or something in your hand and in your forehead that without that you cannot buy yourself? Only divine inspiration could have given him those words. For he, we, I read that when I was in 1987 when there was no ATMs, when there was no one worldwide uh, internet, you know, um, it didn't look like it could have happened in our day. But I'm telling you, it's going there. The Bible's true. It's the Word of God. You can trust your life on it. But let me tell you this. You and I one day will stand before God. Bible says when God comes back to this planet, the sun will turn into darkness because the brightness of Jesus' glory will be so bright. he will outshine the sun. And I say to you, if you don't know Jesus, you'll have to stand before this holy God and you cannot stand. You have to have Him as your mediator, as as your lawyer, so to speak, as your intercessor. He stands in God's presence on our behalf. The Bible says even now Jesus stands in God's presence for our, on our behalf. He's there on your behalf if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. Do you know in the days of the Civil War, in the days of slavery in America, and in the days, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who declared the emancipation of all slavery, he declared it, he wrote it down. And in most places in America, the slaves were set free. But in Texas, they weren't set free. They didn't accept that that news. They didn't accept the emancipation of declaration from uh, the president. So he had to send an army to bring to bring to fruition, to bring freedom to the slavery in Texas. They had to bring an army basically because what was in writing wasn't happening in reality because slaves were still slaves in Texas. And they had to enforce the decision made by the Prime Minister or the President in those days. Well, it's true today. Heaven has declared you free, has declared the captives are set free, the brokenhearted are healed. If you're sick, God says you're healed because Jesus bore your sicknesses 2,000 years ago. God says, if you're full of shame and condemnation, you don't have your sins forgiven. God says, I have forgiven you when you put your faith in Christ. But you know what? The angels of God from heaven, they're the ones that are sent from heaven to enforce the gospel. They'll enforce it. So where you are in your room, we're going to pray a prayer right now. No matter where you are in your room, your lounge room, in your car, no matter where you're listening to this, at work, it doesn't matter where you're listening. The angels, because they're real, and they're spiritual beings, they'll enforce the moment you put your faith in God, the moment you, the moment you step, up, step up and say, yes, I put my faith in Christ alone. The moment you do that, God forgives you and cleanses you and heals you. And the presence of God will set you free. He'll fill you with His, with His presence. The Holy Spirit will come into you and you can go free. That prison door is open. There's no chains. You're not chained up, spiritually speaking. There's no. The doors aren't locked. Get up and walk out. So I pray right now, for, for anyone that's listening to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, put your faith completely in the good news that God sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins. God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. God's presence comes when you accept Jesus. So what are you to do? You, you put your faith in Christ. You, you say, Lord, I repent. If you want to pray with me, if you want to know more about Christianity some people are ready to make that decision right now you've just been thinking about it praying about it, looking into it discovering and asking questions, and you're ready I'm going to pray for you right now, but there's others that still have questions maybe want to want to search out these things and say leah you've you've stirred something up you've wet my appetite, you made me want to seek out God more so if that's you, I want to encourage you you can Uh, Seek us online. Find out more questions. You can even come on an Alpha course. We're about to launch an Alpha course. It's a course that helps you understand these questions and helps you answer some of these questions that you might have. It'll even answer questions you don't have. So I'm I'm encouraging you. Start your journey to get to know God as your Father. So right now, if there's anybody that's listening to the words and want to hear and want to accept this good news and wants to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, He'll come into your heart. He'll wash you clean. He'll forgive you. So pray with me right now. Just simple prayer. I'm going to pray, but you just repeat after me. Father God, I come to you as a sinner. Forgive me of all of my sins that I've ever done. I turn away from them. I I give you my heart. I make you Lord of my life. Be my Savior, be my Lord, be my God. I will follow you, Lord Jesus. I believe that God, you sent Jesus to die on the cross. I believe that He was raised from the dead so that I could be forgiven and right standing with God. And I open up my heart. Holy Spirit, come in right now. Spirit of the living God, come into my heart. In Jesus' name.